0: Um uh, I I went in for surgery the day after Christmas so Thursday I went in and had the surgery on my nose so I'm cancer free so that's uh, and um the uh what was that you still have your nose remember I, you well but, you know the neat thing is when I walked into the plastic surgeon's room where they do the surgery, he had like a whole row of noses. I could have had like any nose I wanted. I said, I said, so but what what I have discovered was um you know, when you have something on your face like this, people when they see you, they don't know whether to like look at you straight in the face because they kind of look down this way, or they look that way, or and they don't because they know like if you look me right in the face, you get drawn into this. <laughs> and you can't get out of it once it captivates. So you just <laughs> So what I've been doing, which I, I think is just is fun. It's like when you run into people and especially people that don't really know you, and you know, it's just this is just that awkward moment, right? Because the side of your face, you know, it's all so I was going. I'll look at them back, like, what's up? And, and they're... Now you're all unseen faces. So, uh, you know, I'll just go, what's up? And they're like, uh, well, I don't have something hanging on my nose, do I? And they're like, no, but it's the... I'm like, what? <laughs> like, did, did you have, like, surgery? I'm like, no. What? what? And then, then it just, then you, then you're on free fall at that point. You could, it can just, you could just keep going, and they don't know what to do, and so. You could do a So, anyway, thank you all for your prayers. Um, it, uh and one of the one of the things that i was thinking about this yesterday in the area of healing one of the things that i think i gained when i started the whole shifting what i was eating and exercising and all that when i started into that one of the things it did it made me more and has it continues to be the case i'm more aware of my physical body than i've ever been in my life like so aware that I can pretty much tell you, at least within a pound, how much I weigh before I even step on the scales. And I know when I'm two pounds beyond where I want to be, and I know when I'm two pounds under where I want to be. I can just feel it. And so one of the things I think that's important in healing, and as we're you know, generally in the, in the, in the atmosphere of this church, is we go for health. So what does it mean to live from a healthy perspective, to eat healthy, to sleep healthy, to exercise, the various things that we do that are leading to health. Um, When we become keenly aware of our body, our bodies are speaking to us on a regular basis. And so one of the things with, you know, with what I just went through... um, you know, when you when you go to the doctor for the first time and they look at it and they did the biopsy and then they, you know, they called me a couple of days after that and said, well, it's cancer. Okay. And, you know, then you start taking the next steps. What, what I want to encourage all of us to be is be proactive with what your body is telling you because there's a tendency, and I think probably most of us have this, like, when the, the nurse calls me from the dermatologist's office and says the, the biopsy came back and it's cancer. Well, my first instinct was, I just want to run away. Now, I mean, and, and this is only basal cell cancer. So it's, this isn't like super serious, you know, that type of stuff. So I'm not putting myself in the same category as someone that gets a, a much more difficult report. But I encourage all of us, pay attention to your bodies, listen listen to what it's saying, because my, my body, your body, is designed by the Creator to carry us well. And it needs certain things to do its job well. And I don't think we should be in a place, and I know most of us aren't, where I just do whatever I want, and then expect God to heal me in the end, to bail me out of not doing what I should be doing. You know, and and you know, all, all we would—I'm mean, probably—if we really wanted to fill this room up, all we really need to do is say, have somebody standing there with pants that are like that far out going. I don't know what happened. I came to church. I was 362 pounds. I was 180 pounds after service. I'll take it. They would be lined up. Yep, we're having Holy Ghost weight loss. The pounds are just falling off. People would come from far and near for that. If we said, hey. As the church, we just invested $20,000 in gym equipment and we've got a personal trainer now that's, that's on staff at the church. So come on over and exercise. We'd probably lose a third of those that are here. <laughs> I was just saying, don't, don't put off things. Don't, don't let that place of fear captivate you. Because what happens when we do that, then, this is my opinion, but when we do that, then my prayer of healing is not really a prayer of healing, it's a prayer of of fear. Mm -hmm. And what I'm looking for is an escape. And healing isn't an escape, it's a manifestation of the presence of the healer. So let's go after the healer, but let's step up to the plate and do our part. Let's do our part. Can, can he, if I, if I mess up, can he bail me out? Of course. But that's the exception. That's not the plan. The plan is he's given us minds and he's given us wisdom and he's saying, here, live this way and, and it'll go well with you. So, um 'cause so, because a couple of people had asked me, they said, well, you scheduled your surgery the day after Christmas? I mean, why didn't you put it off until like January or something? I'm like, I just want to get it done. I mean, what, what's what's the difference between Thursday or some day in January? The doctor's going to do the exact same thing. So let's just get it done. And then I get on the other side of it. And now all I've got left is to, get my stitches out, and and I move on. And I wake up every morning thanking my body, one, that it exposed something that was hidden. And I think that's the the place that we have to rejoice in, that for some reason, because basal cell cancer, it's not what's on the outside, it's under the, the, the layer of skin. So you don't see it. So I just had a red mark on the side of my nose, but it wouldn't go away. And every now and then, it would kind of get uh, like a, not really a scab, but just dry skin. And I put this on it and put that on it, you know, all the lotion and whatever, and uh, you know, somebody said, man, if you use frankincense essential oil, it heals everything. <laughs> all right, cool. So I bought me a bottle of good frankincense essential oil because it heals everything. And I'm rubbing it on, I'm rubbing it on, I'm rubbing it on. And my nose smelled good. (laughs) But it really didn't do a whole lot with what was going on under the skin. Now, I'm not knocking frankincense, so don't hear me saying that. I'm just saying, for me, that wasn't... Because... What I needed to do was make an appointment with a doctor and get serious about why do I have this spot that keeps reoccurring. And they told me why. And then they fixed it. And it was, so don't put off, don't don't let fear drive you when it comes to healing. Healing is available. He is the healer. But in our healing, let's embrace him yes. instead of hiding or running in fear from the thing that is after us, whatever that is. You okay with that? Yeah. You stop staring at my nose. You're making me <laughs> self conscious. It's okay if you stare. I don't care. I mean, I, I'd rather have just have you stare than keep looking at my ear or something. It's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the light side. This is the dark side. Okay. I want to just take a few minutes and, and continue on with the, the Christmas story. You realize we're almost at the point where the wise men can show up at your nativity on your mantle. Just a couple more days and they can show up. Oh man, I wise men about it for a long time. <laughs> um, so, and that's what I want to talk about today with this idea of the wise men and the star. I, I really want to talk about the star probably more than the wise men because I find the star fascinating. Because the flannel graph, if we were using the flannel graph to tell the nativity, the star is a celestial body, it's a star. And depending on who you talk to and, and who's, you know, what how we grew up, what Bible stories we got to listen to, the star that the wise men followed, it could have been a comet. It, you know, I've heard different things. There are certain stars that loop through our solar system at a certain point and they appear. And that could be the case... But it, but that is also problematic because in the story, the star is there and then it's not and then it's there again. So comets are there. They, they don't disappear and then reappear. They're just there because they're going across the universe wherever they're going. So Thinking in some of the things that we've been thinking about here lately, I'm just questioning the star. What what was the point? So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And let's just read the story first. Matthew 2, we're going to start with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king... And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. A couple of things that, just from a a historical standpoint, Herod, this is later he's called Herod the Great. He wasn't called Herod the Great while he was alive. It was just King Herod. And King Herod was not a king that had been born on the throne. He had not come up through the the kingly lineage of Israel. But his father in particular was very good friends with Mark Anthony, who was a Roman leader. And so through political ways, Herod gets appointed as king of Israel, but he wasn't king like a prince, a ruler but he was a king in subjection to the Roman rule. So from the, for the Jews, they didn't really like Herod much because Herod really didn't like them much. Herod was much more interested in being considered Roman than being considered a Jew. And so there was this tension. But at the same time, Herod also did some amazing things architecturally and so forth. I mean, he um, did with the temple. and So he... Uh, when, it, when Herod was troubled, um, verse 3, when Herod, heard, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in Jerusalem with him. Yeah, he would be troubled because if wise men passing through show up and say, hey, we're here to worship the one that's been born king of the Jews. Nobody had been born king king of the Jews. That title was only for Messiah. So for Herod if you're somebody that's a political leader and your very existence hangs on keeping all the political balls in the air so that you don't get dethroned or worse lose your head because you tick off somebody that's more powerful than you and they're done with you. So he lives in this world where you're always looking over your shoulder. You're always making sure the alliances are, are where they should be. Uh, even his wife was a political marriage because that brought in an alliance that he needed. So all of a sudden, during your tenure as king, strangers show up at your door going, hey, we're here to worship the one that's been called the king of the Jews. That would have struck fear in Herod and in all of Jerusalem, because all of a sudden, where, how, what does this mean? I mean, is he is he is he coming into town? You know what 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 are you expecting? And this whole idea that that Yahweh Elohim would come on the earth and put himself in this place of Uh, total vulnerability, because you can't be any more vulnerable than, than to be a newborn baby. You can't do anything. And God put himself in that place. So Herod is expecting, you know, the political intrigue. It's the, you know, what, you know, is he, is he? Is he going to dethrone me? What does this mean? We also know when the Messiah comes, the Messiah is going to liberate us from the armies that have oppressed us. And once again, Israel will be at the, at the zenith of what she was created to be. So there's this expectation of Messiah and what he's going to do. And so these guys show up and now all of a sudden Herod is looking around going, hey, well, look, when you guys find, find him, look, let me know, because I definitely want to come and worship too. I mean, I don't want to be left out on this party. If they're going to be worshiping Messiah, just by all means, let me know. And, of course, those guys were like, yeah, sure. I will, when we find him, we'll, we'll let you know. And Of course, then, as the scripture said, in a dream, they were told, don't do that. <laughs> just don't do that. Don't, go, don't, don't leave town the same way you came in. Keep on moving. So that's what they did. So this idea. So that was what was going on with Herod. So now we have the wise men. Now that's a, they're an interesting group of people because depending on what translation you're reading uh, in the Greek, that word gets translated. Wise men gets translated magi. M a g i magi. And That particular term is a really, um, it's a dark term, it's a sorcerer, it's a a witch, it's people that uh, practice in divination, and there's, so it's not a good term. And um, so again, depending on which flannel graph we're using, that might be how these guys get described as wise men, is that they were sorcerers, that they were part of the occult, that they... We're into astrology, um, and, and astrology, we're not going to go there this morning. But I will say, when I was in Israel, we were at the, the ruins of the major church in Nazareth. Um, and most of it has been excavated. Now, there's no roof on it, but the walls, a lot of the walls are there. Almost the whole floor is there. And right in the middle of the floor, because the floor is this beautiful... Um, Thank you. This beautiful mosaic. Thank you. That word, it was like the star of Bethlehem. <laughs> yeah, more like a comet. So there's this, there's this beautiful mosaic, and right in the center of the mosaic, the, it tells the whole biblical story of Christ at different things. But in the middle of this mosaic is the zodiac. So they rented the church out on Wednesday night to witches. (laughs) Only kidding. (laughs) Just saying. Why is the Zodiac in the floor of a church along with the other scenes, biblical scenes that are in the floor? And it's beautiful. And the Zodiac is large. It's not... Small. It's it's a large one. So, as I said, I'm not going to open that can of worms this morning. I'm going to save that for just a little bit later. But there are issues that, um, especially as we get into, as we move further from Genesis, there are issues that we're going to come across with uh, the zodiac. And I'm not suggesting you start reading your horoscope in the paper. I am talking about a much different thing. But are not talking about today. No. Okay. So, um, where was I at? I'm, we're going to leave Nazareth. Um, Yes, thank you. So we so we have these the the wise men. Most um, it's probably most thought and agreed upon, um, and I'm using the word most very liberally because there are those that definitely hold a different view. But we know that the wise men came from the east, and most of the Jews of the time and and after that, believed that they were uh, prophets from the kingdom of Saba and Arabia. And they were of the lineage of Abraham through his wife, Katera, who was a Midian. And so, which I find really interesting, because if, one, if occultic if people, why would they come to offer gifts to Messiah what what would have been the what would have been the goal behind that? They're, they're, I, I can't find one it makes no it makes no sense and because they came to worship they they weren't even like coming to try to hedge their bet. no they came to worship. so I, I just find it difficult to to say that these wise men represent go with the, the Greek meaning of the word magi that gets put in there, and then that that they were sorcerers and, and occultic practitioners. I tend to think, which, you know, is when I look at it, there's a, a good body of evidence that would agree with this, that um, you have this lineage of people who are living in the east, in the area of Seba and in the area of... Um, Arabia, that are direct descendants from Abraham through Katera. And we know that, that I mean, historically, we know that's true. It was, that's not just something you were guessing at or trying to put into the story. They actually lived there. There were villages of people, and their lineage went back to Abraham. So we have the promise made to Abraham that through your seed, all the earth is going to be blessed, so we see the coming of the of Messiah is in direct uh, correlation with the promise to Abraham, and we have a group of people who knew the stories. The stories have been handed down to them because they knew they were of the lineage of Abraham. And I think we have to also, again, in our in our culture in our time, this kind of gets lost but if if I lived in that age and I knew I am a direct descendant of Abraham that would have been a big deal to me and I would have made sure my children knew that and my children's children knew that and the stories that had been brought up from our earliest ancestors that those stories would have been repeated and repeated and repeated in our oral history because we're of the lineage of Abraham and we know that Israel is of the lineage of Abraham. And so it makes sense to me when I look at this that they, um, they would have been looking for Messiah in the same way that Israel was looking for Messiah. They had the scriptures and would have been searching the scriptures. And we're not talking about being thousands of miles apart. So there were Jews that lived in the area of Saba and there were people that moved back and forth. So it wasn't like they didn't know each other and they weren't in the same general geographic area. So for, for the... And so we also know that in Israel, there was high anticipation that this is the time of Messiah, as we have already talked about. We, we, they knew that the 490 years that Daniel spoke about... That they that was up. They knew where he was going to be born. As soon as Herod said, "Well, where is it? Where's Where's this child to be? It's going to be born in Bethlehem." They knew where it was going to happen. So the issue for them was not if, it was just when and who. And so their whole their whole expectation was when, what day is this going to happen, and who is it going to be? Right. So the people of Seva the wise men, which would have been the, the, the learned men of that area, they too were searching. Right? So for them to, to get a sign and know that in getting the sign, I need to follow the sign because I'm pretty sure this sign is going to take us to the Christ. And so... Also, they knew that they were going to meet a king. And again, in the culture, it's customary. If you're going to go meet a king, you take the best you got. Because the whole deal in meeting the king is you get to leave afterwards. <laughs> you don't want to blow that. I mean, it's just you just don't. So you get the best. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Now, I, I know there's a lot of Uh, story behind that and really not my intention to go into the three parts so much today but more just this group of wise men who were probably part of a much larger group who were studying so these were probably the, the leaders of that group they now take gold frankincense and myrrh and they begin to follow the sign, the star confident that this is what the scriptures have told us. So they, they begin to journey west, and wherever the star takes them is where they go. Now, the star. I don't think it's a comet. I don't think it's three planets that had happened to align that aligned at some such time. I don't think it was that either. And there's a couple of reasons, at least in my mind. One, if it was a star. So most of us know, if you want to see Venus in the morning, you can see Venus, right? It's out there. It's a bright star. Well, what's it over? Everything. It's over everything. It's like trying to get to the end of the rainbow. Because wherever I walk towards, the star is always out ahead of me, so... It's right here. Oh, well, no, the star's over there. Oh, what's well, right here? Well, no, the star's over there. Oh, because the star, if it's a, if it's an actual celestial body, it it can't lead me to a specific point because there's too much distance for that to be possible. And I'm not sure. With these guys, for as wise as they were, I don't know that they would have just followed a star that they saw moving, even if it was a comet. Because again, how are you, how, you know, if you're following the comet, how are you going to follow it? I actually think the star that they were following wasn't a star, but it's what the scripture says. It was a bright light. And it wasn't way up there that we're doing it. I think it was right where they were. And for them, all of a sudden, put yourself in that situation. If that had been my experience, you know, we're we're studying the scriptures, we're talking, we're all sitting around having a wise man chat, and all of a sudden, there's a bright light. Probably most of us in the room would go, dang, that's a sign right there. (laughs) And if the bright light begins to move, there's a good chance, to, I think I'm going to follow that thing. <laughs> well, where's it going? I don't know, let's just follow it. Now, this, is, this to me kind of helps me, at least as I made up my mind. In, um, in Acts 9, verse 3, this, these are both talking about Paul when he was converted. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And in Acts 26, 13, at midday, this is Paul recounting what happened to him, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. So Paul is saying at midday, which is the brightest part of the day, there was a light so bright it was brighter than the sun. And he had an encounter and we know, you know, we know his story. We know what happened. But there was this bright light so bright that it got everybody's attention. I think that that's what we're talking about is a very similar experience with the wise men. That it was a bright light, and they knew this is a sign. This is a wonder, and they began to follow it to find out where it would lead them, which makes it also an interesting thing. That um, so, verse ten, and they saw the star, and they rejoiced exceeding with great joy. Now you go well. Now the scripture says it was a star, so it has to be a star. What we're, what we're reading is what somebody is trying to describe how bright this light was. You know, I'm, I, you know if you need a star for the story to work, you can have a star. <laughs> I'm just saying I think there was something else even beyond that that was happening here. So when they saw the star, verse 10... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary. This, again, I find interesting. They didn't knock on the door. The star brings them to a house, and within their minds, it's like, he's inside. And they just go in. They don't ask, they don't knock, you know. Is it a good time with the mom? Is everything okay? Like, are you feeding? I mean, you know, is it okay? No, man, they just bust right in. This is Messiah. And they come in and they bow down and they begin to worship. And they knew. They knew this was Messiah. They knew that the star that had guided them had brought them that far. So by the time they got to where the star or the light stopped and it's right there at this house... They knew that that's where they needed to be, and so with all boldness and assurance, they went in to see the child and to and to bring the gifts to the king. So, again, I, you know, okay. Well, what's the what's the deeper meaning you're trying to tell us? Uh, that's it. I just think it's like we, as we've kind of journeyed through this over these last weeks, and even with Genesis, 6, sometimes we read the biblical story so often and so quick that we cease to hear what they're actually telling us. And I think I want to I want to hear better. I want to see better. And it, for me, it for me it is a big deal that it's that this. These men, that that God, when he, even today, this is not just some isolated story that we need so we have something to talk about at Christmas time, but this is how God deals with humanity. And so there's these places where we all can expect to have these divine encounters. Now, obviously, I'm not going to see a great light that's going to lead me to a place where Messiah is being born. That story has already been told. And it won't be told again. But I can expect in my life to have supernatural encounters where God's presence will come into my life in such a way that I see a bright light and I know when I see it, this is a sign. This is a sign about how I'm supposed to move. This is a sign about what I'm supposed to do. When when, when we were, uh, you know, back in October, when we were in... Um, Kenya and I'm sitting there with this man, Lennox, who I've never met before, over a cup of coffee and he begins to talk. I knew this was a sign. I knew this was beyond just three men sitting at a table, having a cup of coffee, talking about possibilities. This is a sign of something. And it affected me so much that when I got up to to go to the restroom, I had all I could do to keep my composure. Because I was shaking. I was shaking inside. I was shaking outside. I'm in the middle of this mall, trying not to bust out crying. Because I knew I've just had a sign that somehow God has this plan that he's invited me to be a part of. And right now, right this minute, over a cup of coffee... A connection was made. Sorry for those of you that were asleep. (laughs) Actually, I'm not. Just making sure we don't have to get out the defibrillator. Um, Which is good because we don't have one. Here, you you are just stuck with us laying hands on you. So just just saying. (laughs) But I knew it was a sign. And there's these places in life. Over and over, we sang about it today. Over and over again, and it's not always, you know, where I'm starting from nothing, and I have to—I've I've just blew it. I mean, most of us have had those experiences and might have them again. But that's—that's that's actually the unusual place that I'm always moving from failure towards something else. What God is really doing he's like, no, I'm moving you from glory to glory. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm going to meet you here with a sign, and you're going to know it's a sign, and this sign is going to take you somewhere, but that's not the destination, it's just part of the process, because there's another sign waiting for you, and you're going to have multiple signs in your life, and not all will be huge, but I've just come to the place, at least at at this part of the journey, that... His still small voice on a particular day, just sitting in the rocking chair on the porch, is as powerful to me as standing here on a Sunday morning when the glory comes and all. I love them both. I'll take them both. But I know his small voice. I know the sign of my father's voice. And I know that when my father speaks, He's calling me into something that is beyond me, that is bigger than me, is beyond my resources. and might even be, even be, how many times did I say that? B B be, B, be, beyond my, my desire. I wish I could say everything that God has showed me and taken me into, I'm going, oh, glory to God. <laughs> I'm just telling you, there's been a good moment. I'm looking going, I don't know about that. I mean, if you want me to do that, what about the vacation I had scheduled? What am I going to do with that? You know? But he he knows how to get us moving, and he takes us along. So I'm just saying that this light that these wise men saw It was taking them somewhere because they had something they were to accomplish. They did need to get the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh to the king. The (laughs) king did need to be blessed. Because when we read on, it's only a short few verses before Herod is looking for him. And mom, dad, and baby are hightailing it to Egypt. And that provision was enough to get them there. So sometimes when God provides, we don't even know in the beginning what the provision is for. That's right, right. We, we just receive it and go, oh, that's nice. I mean, you know, the, the, was well, not been that long ago. We got a provision from a tax, from tax return. And I'm like thinking, wow, that is awesome. But I put it in a savings account. And then the car broke down. Then I knew what the provision was for because <laughs> it took it all. <laughs> but I had it. it exactly. I can think back on other times where that was, you know, Mr. Visa or Mrs. MasterCard. And I say, like, I can write the check. Thank you very much. It feels good to just write the check. Yeah. Yeah. What well, was the Lord's provision? And I didn't know what it was about in the beginning. And sometimes I think we can, we can. We can get too far into the weeds with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead of just taking it in childlike faith and going, my Father's provided. Amen. Yeah. Amen. On a certain day, there's a spot on my nose that won't go away. But God provided. Yeah. He provided. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, you know, I... I There's people that have invested in their whole life to be a skilled surgeon. And I get to walk into that man's office and he does what he does and he fixes me. And I get to walk out and rejoice. And then mess with people's heads because I got this thing on my nose. I get to do it all. I mean, I get to get provision and have fun all at the same time. We don't always know. But what we all know, and again, we sang about it today, is our Father is so incredibly good that He's preparing our steps as we take them. And we can just trust Him with that, even when it feels like the step has taken a hard right. And we don't know why or where that hard right's going to take us, but wherever it takes us, He's still there. He's still ordering our steps. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Hey, Bob. It's a nice nose, and God did not make a mistake when he created it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's fa- this, uh, this, this is fascinating to me, because I after the, the surgeon was pretty much done, I didn't talk to him through the procedure. But at the end, I'm a little more chilled and... Um, so I was asking him some questions, but one of the things, and again, I'm not a doctor, so, but when I went in for the preliminary thing, he looks at me, he's looking at my face and all this, he goes, well, you have an age line that runs right down the side of your nose. All right. (laughs) He goes, so what we'll do, he said, um, when we get done with it, so when I, when I put the stitches in, he said, I'm just going to, the scar, I'm going to mold the scar right into your age line. And he said, uh, it'll, it'll be there, but you won't really see it because it's just going to blend into the age line. To which at first I went, Wow, thanks. That's brilliant. I never would have thought of that. But then I'm thinking, I'm at a, I'm at a plastic surgeon's office. I thought you'd take the age lines away. I mean, it's, well, all, well my face is already fat with Atlanta cane. isn't that where you do the stretching and hook this and pull that and puff that up and Amen. Glory to Jesus. We're gonna end this service now. You, you get to choose not to be a nosy pastor. <laughs> Let's stand. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the God of signs, wonders, and miracles. And that you position yourself so that signs and wonders are a part of our life. That you speak to us. You show us things. You, you bring provision when we didn't expect it or we're not even sure all that goes into it. Lord, that even in those places that we don't fully understand, we don't fully see, You are ordering our steps. You are making your plans and your purposes expand and explode in our lives. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us this much. Thank you for being so good to us that we can trust our lives to you. Because you are good. You are faithful. You are the great Redeemer. So, Lord, I just thank you. I bless this company of people as we go about this week may it be a week of signs, wonders, and miracles. Maybe a week that the healings that were released in here this morning continue to just manifest out throughout the week. And Lord, as we pray for others, that healing is being released as well, and that we'll see others healed as we pray for them. So, thank you, Father. Thank you, and Your name be glorified. Amen.